This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keitel, Vice President of CX of M and retired global CX executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Bob Keipel. Bob, um, we're joined today by Andy Haas, um, who has a very interesting and compelling job title. He's a managing director of service excellence marketing offering leader. Um, and I think we're going to have to get a, an explanation of that with Deloitte Consulting. Uh, welcome to the show, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, so yeah, let me ask that question. I mean, Deloitte's a huge and effective and successful company in so many different areas and expertises, if that's a word. Um, so if you could just start us off by giving us a little bit about your position and your role and what is it that you, you work on in your practice? Yeah, sure, sure. So a little bit of context about Deloitte. Um, I, I'm within Deloitte Digital. Uh, we are an experienced consultancy that brings together capabilities around creativity, strategy, operations, technology to help our clients, uh, bring, you know, derive business value in the areas of marketing, sales, and service. And within that uh, business um, uh, go-to-market approach, I lead our service component. So <clears throat> I um, help our clients transform, improve their servicing functions. So think of that as your your broad customer service, field service, uh, digital service, uh, even in-person service, um, contact center and and the like. Um, I have about 25 years across uh, advisory, operational transformation and technology enablement in all things service. Can I ask a quick question? I I tend to ask this question on different episodes of the podcast, but um, obviously your customers are coming to you because they've identified that they have some, something they got to work on. Um, Are you usually working with top leadership or where is it that you come in in the organization when you start working there? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's, uh, it's evolved over the years. Um, you know, there's a couple different uh, levels of engagement with our clients. Uh, it's absolutely leaders within the servicing space. So think of that as as business and, and technology leaders within uh, customer service uh, specifically. Um, over the recent, I'd say, three to five years, and, and certainly uh, in the, the last couple years, uh, most of a lot of our engagement has been with the C-suite. Um, you know, frankly, service, I think, has risen at the C-suite level in terms of importance and value for the broader you know, business value chain. So you'll get um, you know, chief financial officers coming, talking and, and worried about the impact on the bottom line. You'll certainly have chief technology officers um, you know, grappling with you know, the onslaught of disruptive technologies and how to navigate that within the servicing realm. Even CEOs understanding the impact of service 
into the overall uh, value proposition of their business. So it's a C-level uh, engagement to, to get the program started, and then we work with service leaders to get the work done. So on, on that point, one of the things I know a lot of um, CX practitioners struggle with is, is getting the C-suite or, or getting the CEO to understand the investment or the ROI in, in, um, in customer experience initiatives or customer service initiatives. Um, what, what's your take on that? You know, having dealing with the C-suite, are they starting to get it? Um, and if so, where, where are they making the connection between that investment and seeing the ROI for it? Well, uh, certainly historically, and it's a common thread today, is the cost side of the equation. Um, service can be a heavy cost uh, within most of our clients' businesses. And I would say, honestly, historically, it's been viewed as a cost center, a, a necessary evil of, of doing business in some cases. Um, much to you know, the, the heart of this podcast, the, the concept, the value of CX, as a capability and a strategy within all industries and all businesses has really matured over the last really decade, I would say. That intersecting with what's happening in service where it's truly a disruptive time in, in, in cloud enablement and in intelligent automation and in, in harnessing you know, the capabilities that, that make CX come to, re, uh, to, to life rather. And honestly with, um, with the impact of COVID, certainly on society and then businesses, the servicing environment has become almost a hub of customer engagement. So it's really put a bright light on this and all of those are intersecting kind of at the same time has really made the C-suite, you know, get attention and focus on that, if that Good. makes sense. Good, well, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy the C-suite is starting to understand it too. That, that's really great. So one of the reasons um, we brought you on the show was to discuss right channeling. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what right channeling is and, and why it's allowing businesses to better understand customer needs and deliver valuable experiences? Yeah, sure. Right channeling um, is a concept that, you know, frankly, we kind of ran into in the course of working with our clients. So again, for for quite some time now, the, the ambition and the promise and the desire around omnichannel has been, um, you know, a top strategic priority for many of our clients. You know, being present and available through all channels at any time for any customer for any topic. And clients invested millions, uh, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in years to achieve this with, frankly, very limited success. And as we kind of deconstructed why this wasn't becoming successful, um, this is where the, the concept in, uh, of right channeling arose. And the concept is really pretty simple. There's, a, there's an outside in and an inside out kind of view. The outside in view is that when you put yourself in the customer's shoes, the tra traditional kind of journey mapping and customer experience um, you know, deconstruction, you see patterns of how customers navigate a certain company for a certain need, right? And the simple example would be, I have a simple question I start on the website. As I can't find the answer to that or it becomes more challenging, I might engage in a chat. And then as it becomes even more 
complex or risky or financially or health concerning, a bunch of different examples, I need to engage in a live conversation on the phone, for example. So you, you go website, chat, phone. That, that is a very specific flow that you see many instances. Um, that's the customer, the outside in view. The inside out view is, is what I alluded to. Is, is clients are spending, they're, they're not realizing the ROI on being all things to all customers at all times. So they needed to be much more focused to realize that ROI. And that is where the concept of right channeling uh, arose. And what we basically say is like, let's invest in the right orchestration of channels and experiences that match the customer needs with our internal needs. How much does it cost to deliver this service? Where do we want to over-index for what customer types to really derive the value that we need in that servicing interaction? So we're curating the, the channel experience through that right channel orchestration. I guess, does that make sense? Yeah, so how, do you, how does the company determine the right channel? You know, how, you know, because as you probably know, you know, you know, as you know better than I do, you know, depending upon how you, you orchestrate the different channels, they might follow different paths, right? Depending upon what channels you're able to introduce and at what times. So how do, how do companies arrive at what the right channeling is? Well, again, it's, it's, it's back to this outside in, inside out uh, concept is, uh, <clears throat> certainly a very focused view of the customer experience. What are the customer natural, uh, you know, tendencies and, and desires and uh, behaviors uh, navigating different channels when they're looking for basic general information all the way to the most complex, depending on what industry you are. So you have to have a grasp of those customer experiences. And then you have to be very pragmatic in what is attainable and um doable within your own environment. And that is, we all deal with finite budgets, mm-hmm. finite talent, certainly in today's world. And we have to have a grasp on what we're trying to achieve. And really the, the, the art of this becomes that intersection of customer needs and wants and actual behaviors with our internal, I'm talking as a, as a business owner, a service owner and executive, our own realities around cost and talent and, you know, ability to focus and even technology maturity and things like that. So it's really that intersection. And, you know, I, as, as you guys would know, if you ask a customer what they want, they'll want everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I want every channel, yeah. but you'll see behaviors. If you put the analytics on the channel uh, by channel basis, you'll see patterns arise and that can influence how you want to uh, yeah. architect that. So it's really, I mean, I don't know if that sounds simple or yeah, complex. No, no. And, and I one think... of the re- yeah, one of the reasons I brought it up is um, I'm, I'm in the midst of, I was in the midst of updating a, a website that we use once a year for one of our programs. And I was encountering some, some problems. And, um, you know, I'd forgotten how I, how I conversed with this company a year ago. And I couldn't remember if it was in the phone or, or what, but, you know, uh, so I, I found a little chat, you know, the, the little contact us area, um, which unfortunately started with an, an email coming back. Um, but what I realized, um, once we started the conversation, conversation going, it was with the same individual. 
And I have no idea where this person was or what time zone, but it was amazing what we were able to, to accomplish um, over the course of, of that chat, um, including the documents that he saved with me and, and, the, and the GIF images he was sending me to cheer me up. And so I think, you know, when you talk about resources and, you know, what the, the customer is trying to accomplish, and then you balance that with your resources and you balance it with technology. I thought about the typical sequence you showed, but then, you know, there, there was this model and I've never seen a chat being used to such great effect. And it accomplished all of my goals, you know, short of hearing his voice. But um, so, you know, that's what was running through through my mind um, when you were explaining it out. But and I think, you know, part of that process, too, is you don't want the customer to, to have to jump through hoops. Right. You don't want them to have to go from one channel to another to another. That That's quite exhausting. Right. You want them to. Right. find a channel they're comfortable with and communicating over quickly, but yet accomplishes his or her goals. And, 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 and this guy was really able to do it. You know, I saw his photo there. There was a lot of personality. I really didn't feel like I need to talk to him over the phone. In fact, that might've been a little limiting. He was able to provide text and links to documents or websites that that pointed me in the right direction, or he would ask me for a screen capture of the problem I was having. So it was perfect, you know? And so I think it's, it, it seems to me, right channeling is, is finding the, the channel to communicate or to solve that issue that accomplishes the goals of both parties, but ultimately the customer's gotta be happy. That's right. And it sounds like, you know, what, what this website hosting was able to do um, is to do that at a fairly low cost, um, you know, and again, it could have been anybody anywhere, but it was interesting the tech, how we use that chat and the documents, and then even the gift, you know, the ability to send each other um, um, images and gifts and things. And so that's my personal take on it. Can I, can I ask a question just because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, the channel, I, it makes me think of like media planning, like, do I want to be on the internet or I don't want to be on TV or radio or whatever like that. Um, but a right channel, is it possible that it could be sort of a non, a situation where there's not communication between a company and a customer? Like, let's say people prefer going through the self-checkout lane and they really don't want to have an interaction with a human so it could even be a display in a store like a right channel is it only about when you're actually talking to a customer no you're 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 spot on bob it could be it could be really anything when you deconstruct in my world in service when you deconstruct the multiple channels that you can convey service i mean it could be a proactive email it could be a, a, a literally a uh, U.S. mail. I mean, it could be uh, anything. Is really under, uh, understanding that and crafting uh, that into your strategy. So, um, it, the 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 emphasis on self service and is still at an all time high, and that's not going away. And this right channeling is not not to to contradict that. It's rather to absorb that and build that part of your right channeling strategy. So you can go from, as you said, Bob, there's some customers that want to do self-service and, and don't want to talk to mm -hmm. someone at a company. Um, there's some 
customers that we as as the company don't want to talk to uh, as uh, you know, whether they're low value or we just don't know anything about them or we know what they want to talk about and we know we can answer it digitally and we need to change that behavior. Um, so I've seen uh, work with clients where um, we've probably, as an example, we've probably all been in a, a phone queue where it says the, the queue is long, uh, press one, we'll hold your place in line and we'll call you back when you're you know, available. Uh, we've seen clients build algorithms and apply that type of logic to low value calls to push them, say, we'll call you back in two hours. And, but, you know, and your, your question can be answered through online or, you know, enter your number and we'll send you a text with the answer, like that type of concept. It's not because we don't have maybe live people to answer that question, but we've made the decision to push you in that channel. And that's part of the right channel strategy. It's not this purest, mm-hmm. let's figure out the, the perfect path every time. It's mm-hmm. blending what the customer needs and wants and behaviors tell us with what our business values and imperatives you know, require. So this is a you know, wide open kind of a topic. So um, if it's possible to answer this question, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna ask him, how can a brand streamline you know, all these different options, um, communications, for customers to get the information they need in the most efficient way. How do you know if you're doing it in the most or best efficient or effective way? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, there's two things. I, I, I say, start, start small and expand from there. Um, so, you know, that, that was one of the pitfalls of Omnichannel was trying to be everything and going after that big elephant, if you will, is start small. So in a starting sense, focus on the contacts or the customers that you want to get the most value from. And then the second, and this applies to so many disciplines, is having that um, management insight to understand how this right channeling strategy in this case is, is working and evolving and where you need to tune it. Um, so that requires, you know, data. So for example, we, we've built a tool, we happen to call it heartbeat when we're designing conversational, uh, art- conversational AI, uh, interactions, when we design that conversational interface, we're putting analytics at each design point. And those analytics go to, uh, management dashboards so we can understand what's working and where customers are abandoning or changing course of engagement. And that dashboard becomes a tuning exercise or tuning capability really to help us understand how to improve that or uh, you know, make that better for the business imperative, improve the experience and or the business imperative. And that's really the kind of disciplines that we're, we're trying to endorse is you, you can only manage against the data you have. So you need to apply data through this right channeling strategy to constantly tune it. And, and by the way, I keep saying this, tuning it to maximize the value for the customer and for your business value. It's not a once, you know, one side or the other, it's marrying the two and that's where the art comes to make sure we got the right balance. 
So that if, makes you're sense. With the, if you're dealing with the C-suite, you know, sometimes with this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, some of this sounds like it's kind of down in the weeds. You know, there's a lot of detailed analytics about this particular, the 57th step or whatever. Um, how do you, how is it that uh, your clients, CEO, C-suite people get that aha, like, wow, this is really great. Like, what's an example where they just go and then they get it, you know, and then they get the value. Well, you ha- you have to talk in terms of, you know, business fundamentals. So, I mean, at the highest level, you're talking in terms of the cost implications, revenue, uh, uplift or protection implications. We're bringing forward concepts that you would all appreciate, customer effort, um, you know, engagement uh, metrics and things like that, and, and ROI in the context of that. And, and if you talk in, in terms of the business case value and you show it in action, um, it's, it's very powerful. I mean, I, I've always been shocked. It's changing, but it's still not where it should be. I've always been shocked and said, Hey, Hey, C-suite, have you ever listened to a call? Mm-hmm. Have you ever just took the time to go listen for an hour doing a side-by-side in the contact center? And most, no, I've never done that. So let's listen to some good calls and let's listen to some bad calls. That kind of context, which we've done for years now we're bringing the experiences, which they know their business. You know, we know what we do in the C-suite as a business, but you bring it down to a, a common contact type, a servicing type, and you deconstruct the bad experience, disconnected, repeating information. Uh, Tom, as you said, all of these things we know in the experience world, and then you show what it could be like, and you show like our dashboard with the heartbeat, and here's how your leaders can use it. That makes it real for them. So maybe that's a bit... Uh, tangible or tactical, but that seems to resonate with the executives that we, we engage with. Bob. Makes sense. Yeah. So Andy, um, can you discuss a little bit the importance that customer service plays on customer experience and, and how this all ties back to strengthening brand loyalty? Well, for sure. Now, so I'm going to be biased towards service because that's where I practiced for the last mm-hmm. 25 years. Um, but I mean, when you practically think about it, in most industries, if you deconstruct, if you think about marketing, sales, and service as macro level life cycle stages of a relationship with the customer, in most industries, if you look at time in, you know, kind of element of that, you're in the servicing relationship much, much longer than you are in the marketing or sales relationship. Okay. Now you could, you could argue you're always marketing, you're always selling, of course, but if you just deconstruct it that way and, and you, the CX discipline has led the way in this and talking about the cost of, of acquiring a new customer versus retaining a customer. And these metrics have made their way into um, mainstream business. And so to me, servicing is, um, is, is, the most important part of that life cycle. We've sold them. They have a relationship with, with us as a business and we must maintain it. If we can maintain it, expand it, um, make them a promoter of uh, our business, uh, it becomes not only a revenue generator, but a, a marketing tool of, of sorts. And um, so when I, when I look at service, I think it's, you know, I, I alluded to this earlier, it's, it's been historically viewed as a necessary evil or a cost of doing business. 
but I think this, this philosophy that I've had, this belief that I've had for years is now becoming front and, and generally accepted uh, within you know, leaders of businesses across industries. So servicing to me is, is very, very important. Yeah, I mean, three of us get it. We've lived it. Why, why is it so many business leaders don't? Why is it so many leaders seem to incentivize um, sales, um, revenue, um, targets? And, and you know, even, even if, you, you know, if you talk about the customer journey, why, why is it so many companies seem to lose interest once you get beyond the sales portion of the journey? You know, when you get into the, the service and loyalty phase, the conversation seems to drop off. You know, when you talk about relationship development, relationship retention, and and um, or or merely looking at the customer experience as a contact center when you, when you manage to screw something up and and now you got to deal with it. You know that that that's what yeah. I struggle with. Yeah, I you know I. We, we actually joke about this a lot. So as I said, I leave the service offering, but I have peers that lead marketing and sales. And uh, there's a sexiness factor. Like, let's be honest, is marketing, you can create all these cool brand perceptions and advertisements and it's, it's palpable and cool and energetic and, you know, can be emotional. Um, but it's leading toward a relationship, toward a, a positive outcome. Um, selling, if you, you know, kind of the same way. Um, and servicing is, is just kind of like servicing is like the referee It's like, you don't, you don't know the referees out there or the umpires out there until a mistake is made. Right. It's kind of that historical context. And so it's just been easy to say, I can invest and show this glamorous advertising campaign that makes me feel good. Um, or I have this sales machine that are very vibrant and proactive and energetic and engaging. And service is more pragmatic and tactical and just keep the, the train on the tracks. Um, that's perception. And I think that goes a long way. Um, I'll also say that in the practical sense, um, although I would challenge the degree to where marketing ROI is really tracked, but there are, there are ways to track that that seems more business valuable than way you track ROI and service. And so, however, to our earlier conversation, executives are kind of separating the, the, um, the flair around some of these things and getting the business fundamentals and realizing, you know, servicing is a major, the longest component that we have a relationship. It's, it's a significant cost source. When we don't do it right, we lose customers. That hurts our bottom line. So you start looking at those business levers, and then service raises in importance vis-a-vis the rest. I'd love to know what you think, you know, Tom and Bob on, I, on this I, too, I'm, because I'm you live totally, in- totally with you. You know, I'm, you know, even even my undergraduate students are so enamored by advertising and it, its allure as a career. But I'm, you know, what I ask them to do is I I think about your favorite restaurant and what makes it that way. And now tell me about their advertising strategy. And it gets quiet because yeah. the reality, if you've got a great product, you're, you know, as you suggested earlier, if you've got a great product or a great service, your, your customers advertise for you, right? So, um, yeah, but, you know, I, I guess 
the, the reality is, to be fair, it all has to work together. I mean, that's that's yeah. another yeah. trend that yeah. I I don't work yeah. in my little service world. Right. I connect with sales and marketing because it is a true end to end journey, and we have yeah. to work together on strategy. Yeah. That's yeah. the reality, and that that's that's a good way to that's a good way to do it. And the more you can tie it to financial outcomes, I guess the more of the C suite gets it. And you, you talked about transformation a little while ago, or and um, I wanted to ask you, you know, you deal with a lot of different companies because of, you know, the nature of your business. What are the sort of earmarks uh, where you can tell, like, th- this is really going to stick? Um, is it something in the culture? Is it something in the leadership behaviors? Is it something that's been systematically created so that it's it's flawed or is it, it's, 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 it avoids any flaws and creates consistency. What are the earmarks of, you know, a good transformation in terms of improving service? Well, 100% is executive sponsorship and belief and support uh, behind it. You have to have the right sponsor to support it, uh, stump for it, pay for it. And that, that has to permeate and filter through the entirety of the team. Um, the client team, the consultancy, any other, you know, parties involved, um, a belief, um, you know, when it's successful, there's belief, uh, leadership support and, or uh, being honest, a mandate. So like heroic things were done in the servicing world as a result of COVID. Um, you know, I, I could share a hundred stories with that around the virtualization of thousands of contacts and resources where you'd look at a client's plan and it would be a three to five year plan. They did in a month what would have taken them three years because of the mandate and the urgency behind it. So it's probably not surprising. That's not a real, you know, whiz bang answer, but it, it is leadership support and, you know, flowing through to the team and or, you know, a mandate to, to do it. Well, thanks. Thanks, Andy. This has been a really interesting discussion. We really, um, appreciate your time and your insights thanks thanks for being on the show yeah i appreciate it guys this was fun uh tom and bob really enjoyed the conversation yeah i i, I told you it was good therapy to talk to cx people so um, always <laughs> always good when um when you meet people who share the same language well thanks again andy and uh listeners intentional or otherwise thanks for joining the show Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.